Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash POS for a $1 per month trial. Can you tell me about your husband, what kind of person he was? Tom was a charismatic man. He was always the life of the party, had a bigger-than-life personality, um, a wonderful father to our three children, a wonderful son. This is Terry Strada. Her husband, Tom, was killed on September 11, 2001, when a plane crashed into his office in the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. And since that day, she has been searching for answers and accountability. Terry is now the national chair of 9-11 Families United, a group of more than 10,000 survivors and victims' family members. The 9-11 families have a civil lawsuit against the kingdom for the role they played in murdering our loved ones and injuring thousands more. For years, the group has insisted that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was deeply involved in planning the attacks and that the U.S. government has evidence. So last year, partly under pressure from this group, President Biden issued an executive order calling on agencies to declassify 9-11 documents. The FBI then released a 2016 document relating to its investigation of suspected Saudi government support for the hijackers, 15 of whom were Saudi nationals. Now, the Saudi government has repeatedly denied any involvement in the attacks. But you can imagine Terry's surprise when the White House announced that a Mideast trip, which kicks off this week, will include a stop in Saudi Arabia. So when you heard that President Biden was going to Saudi Arabia, what what was your reaction? My reaction when the president announced or the White House announced that he would be going to Saudi Arabia was, oh, my God. It's not totally clear if Biden will meet face to face with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman at this meeting of Gulf nations. But Strata says if he does, any conversation the two have must start with 9-11 and that FBI document. That has to be dealt with before anything else. And that's why we're encouraging the president to bring it up immediately. Like, let's get our cards out all on the table and then we can go from there. And Terry Strada isn't the only one feeling uneasy about this trip. Activists and lawmakers from both parties say this is a bad look, that you can't ignore Saudi Arabia's long history of repressive tactics and human rights abuses, no matter how high gas prices are back home. My guest today is CNN White House reporter Natasha Bertrand. She's been digging into why President Biden wants to reset relations after tough talk on the campaign trail and what it means for the Middle East and beyond. It's July 10th, and this is the Sunday edition of CNN Five Things. I'm David Ryan. Natasha, can you walk me through President Biden's views on Saudi Arabia and how they've kind of evolved over the past few years? Yeah. So one of the really defining moments in the U.S.-Saudi relationship over the last several years was in October of 2018 when Jamal Khashoggi, who was a Saudi dissident, journalist and, and columnist for The Washington Post, was murdered by according to the CIA, according to U.S. intelligence officials, by uh, Saudi officials at the command of the crown prince. And that really caused a seismic shift in the U.S.-Saudi relationship up until that point. Pamela, please go ahead with your question. 
What is your position on Saudi Arabia and Prince Mohammed bin Salman? And President Biden, he really started to go after the Saudis. There is very little social redeeming value of that administration. And I think it was a flat-out murder. Saying that they should be a pariah on the world stage, saying that they had no redeeming social value. The way they treat women, the way they treat their people. And promised that his administration would not treat the Saudis as they had been in the past, kind of business as usual, selling them weapons, supporting their war in Yemen, etc. So all of these were campaign promises that he made uh, during the election. Human rights and civil rights and civil liberties, they matter to us. I don't give a damn whether you buy all our arms. It's a mistake. In black and white, the United States is saying that the de facto ruler of a close ally is responsible for murder. So after President Biden took office, his administration declassified a report by the intelligence community that found that MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who is effectively the de facto leader of the entire country, actually approved the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And then fast forward to February of this year, and everything changed. So another headline from the president's press conference today, he says Americans can blame Russia's war on Ukraine for record high gas prices this month. We've heard that before. When Russia invaded Ukraine, oil prices spiked, global energy markets were roiled. There became a very politically dangerous moment for the president when people started in the U.S. to really feel this in their wallets and at the, at the gas pump. And it became very important for the administration then to kind of recultivate this relationship with the Saudis because they needed them to pump more oil. They are the number two oil producer in the world. Um, They are a key member of OPEC+. They need this relationship to be on track in order to stabilize these energy markets. We should say Saudi Arabia pushed back hard on that intelligence report and has strongly denied that Mohammed bin Salman had anything to do with Jamal Khashoggi's murder. But for President Biden, Natasha, how does he go from very little redeeming social value in the kingdom on the campaign trail to a full-blown presidential trip? Like, what gives? Yeah, you know, the Biden administration actually declassified the report that was drafted during the Trump administration, and they were really intent upon holding the Saudis accountable for, for what had happened, and particularly MBS. But what has happened since then is is oil, really. The war in Ukraine has happened. Gas prices are up in the U.S., uh, you know, to record prices. And the U.S., and particularly some of Biden's closest advisors, believe that really the only way to get a handle on this is to get the U.S.-Saudi relationship back on track. Um, Not only because they need the Saudis, who of course are the most important member of OPEC plus, to pump more oil, but also because they need to isolate Russia. And so the U.S., you know, has said that they need to bring these allies who may not be very palatable to the American public, um, including, of course, Saudi Arabia, back into the United States' foreign policy and national security orbit um, because of how important it is to keep Russia from having any kind of allies in the region. So on the other side, what does Saudi Arabia want out of all this? Because it does seem like they've kind of tried to modernize their society in small ways over the past couple of years. And there's obviously a lot of reasons to be skeptical about those efforts based on, you know, who's in charge. But for MBS and the kingdom, 
What's their end game here? So MBS, on a personal level, he just wants recognition. He wants to feel like he is the leader of one of the biggest and most important countries in the world, and he wants a seat at the table, essentially. And he has felt very snubbed by President Biden, and that is a large reason why the relationship has been so bad, is because of that personal animosity that the two leaders have towards one another. But then, you know, of, of course, on a, on a more strategic scale in terms of security, Um, and other things, they want a viable strategy for dealing with Iran, which is Saudi Arabia's biggest regional enemy. And the U.S. has been struggling to finalize a new nuclear deal. And so the Saudis want to know, well, how is the United States helping to protect us and protect the region from the numerous threats that we face from Iran and Iran-backed groups? And they want security commitments in a more tangible form, like the continued provision of missile defense systems, for example. They want um, continued provision of U.S. arms and weapons um, that they can use that they say to protect themselves. So one of the things that the White House has pointed to in justifying this trip by President Biden to the region is the fact that Saudi Arabia has actually made a number of developments in terms of warming relationship with Israel. And one of the key points that they continue to make is that the president is going to be making a pretty unusual, extraordinary flight directly from Israel to Saudi Arabia. Now, why does that matter? Well, Israel is actually restricted from using Saudi airspace for nearly all flights. A potential deal is being discussed to actually open up Saudi airspace to all flights operating in and out of Tel Aviv. And the United States has played a key role in kind of brokering those talks. And so the White House hopes that when Biden goes over there, this flight will be historic. They'll have something to announce out of it. And ultimately, they can show that with the United States and Saudi Arabia having this relationship, it has a ripple effect across the entire region and creates a better relationship between Israel and the Saudis as well. Right. Iran, obviously a top concern of the U.S. as well. But I think a lot of people would say, at what cost when you're talking about dealing with Saudi Arabia? Yeah, and Biden has already gotten a lot of criticism from certain lawmakers, from activists, um, from the family of Jamal Khashoggi, who say that he is essentially betraying everything he said during the campaign about wanting to isolate Saudi Arabia and make them a pariah. Senator, how do you feel about the president of the United States, a country that candidate Biden said he wanted to make a pariah state visiting the regime? Listen, I respect President Biden. I know he has a tough job dealing with gasoline prices. And even members of Biden's own party have been critical of the president's planned visit to Saudi Arabia, saying that it is not necessary to meet with the Saudis and actually go there in person in order to get this relationship back on track. Uh, So I have mixed feelings on this. And if the president called me, I'd say, Mr. President, you can't trust these people. Their standards are not our standards. Their values are not ours. You would tell him not to go? Well, I would give him that counsel, but I understand why he's trying to balance this. An American. The flip side of that, though, is many of his advisors tell us that it is simply unrealistic to expect the U.S. and President Biden to shun Saudi Arabia and keep them from becoming a U.S. ally over the course of this multi-decade-long relationship, not only because of the oil question, but also because of the realities of certain challenges in the Middle East, um, chief among them, Iran. So what can we expect from this trip later this week? And will Biden and MBS actually meet face to face? It seems like we haven't gotten the clearest answer on that. 
Yeah, so the administration has been very cagey about this, and they've sought to downplay any potential meeting between Biden and MBS because they do not want it to seem like Biden is going to Saudi Arabia just to meet with the crown prince. They want it to be perceived as a broader meeting between Biden and Gulf state leaders that the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, of course, will simply be attending. Like this is not a state visit. Exactly. They do not want this to be perceived as a state visit, as Biden going to kiss the ring. Um, And that's a bit, (laughs) I don't want to say disingenuous, but it is definitely trying to um, conceal one of the main purposes of this trip, which is a complete reset with Saudi Arabia, which is what administration officials told me and my colleague Alex Marquardt is happening, um, that they want to move past the Khashoggi incident. They see it as not viable to uh, kind of hold this over Saudi Arabia's head and MBS's head forever. And this meeting, uh, which is likely to happen between Biden and MBS, likely as part of a larger group, not necessarily a one-on-one, but it will happen, um, is going to go a long way, his advisors believe, in repairing that relationship. Natasha, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Here's something else happening this week. On Tuesday, we're going to get our first look at images from the James Webb Space Telescope. This is that massive spacecraft with the huge gold mirrors that launched late last year. NASA says these first high-resolution color pictures will include the deepest image of our universe that has ever been taken. Sounds pretty far out, if you ask me. The Sunday edition of CNN Five Things is produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Our production manager is Matt Dempsey. Our senior producer is Mohammed Darwish. Our supervising producer is Greg Peppers. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. Have a good week. I'll talk to you later. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts.